Welcome to the Be a Disciple, Make a Disciple podcast. This is episode number 17. Uh, as always, myself, Kyle Morris, we got Dakota Smith and our special guests tonight, Robbie Lashua and Tyler Hurley from the Christ Culture and Coffee podcast, where they focus on apologetics. So welcome to the podcast, guys. Hey, thanks, man. Yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm uh, glad to connect with you guys as another uh, Christian podcast and have you guys on. We haven't had a podcaster on yet, so you guys nice. are, the, are our first, yeah. which oh, is great. super exciting. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird because we're usually the ones like interviewing people, and now we're like on the back end of that. Yeah, yeah it's kind of flipped <laughs> around. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. No, I'm, I'm so glad you guys are on and and you guys have a connection with us in Arizona, as you guys are, mm-hmm. are as well. The only one not is Dakota. He's over there bragging about the weather in Kansas today. It is today. 73 so. degrees, y'all. It feels brisk and nice and cool. This is a place to be. That's awesome. Well, I, I climbed a mountain today, so you don't have any of those. <laughs> that's, that's, We've got a few hills. True. We've got a few hills. I stepped on, that's right. that's I stepped on a maybe, peak maybe from hills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, yeah. So Dakota, if you want to go ahead and uh, start us off in prayer, yeah, and then we'll get going. Cool, Lord, thank you really for this opportunity. Uh, when I thank God about the things that you give us, it's really humbling and it's really sobering because we don't deserve any of it by our own merit, but by your grace. And your grace is not something given begrudgingly, but your grace is something that's given with joy. Uh, thank you, God, that you find joy and you find kindness in giving us grace and. Because of those truths, Lord, we just want to worship you and have a thankful heart. This is not about any of us individuals here, but we pray that the spiritual fruit that would be birthed out of this conversation would come, God, as you just decide to glorify yourself. Uh, We want people to know you, Lord. We want them to meet you for the first time, to come to an intimate knowledge of you. Uh, But we also want them to know how to walk with you. And God, just for this show, I pray for my students who are listening at Ottawa University, I ask you, God, that you would just impress upon their heart and their mind to challenge them uh, to discover truth. And uh, Lord, be with us in all that we say. Be with us in our our fellowship, in our conversation, and let this just be genuine and uh, just bless the entire episode. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you died for every one of our sins and you rose from the dead so that we can know with assurance that we have eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Yeah, so our goal on this podcast is really to encourage discipleship. Uh, you know, we want people to learn about what is discipleship and what it should look like. And the best way to do that is to share stories about our walks with Jesus Christ and people who uh, have discipled us that has got us to this point in our lives. So we would love to hear from you two about your walk with Christ and who are those important people in your life along that journey that helped disciple you to where you are now. Yeah. Well, that's such a good question. And like, um, one of my favorite verses that I think about all the time is uh, Hebrews 13, seven, right. And it says, remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you and considering the results of their conduct, imitate their faith. Mm. And that's like my, you know, discipleship verse. And so in my Bible, actually, in one of my Bibles, I have it underlined. And then I've got all these names written of the people who've discipled me. Wow. And again, uh, I grew up in a Christian home, so it starts, you know, with my mom really discipling me well and teaching me about Jesus at a young age. Uh, I came to know the Lord when I was four at vacation Bible school, but I've been hearing it at home. Uh, my grandpa was a pastor. My mom and dad were telling me about the Lord. And so I have, you know, my mom's name in my Bible. I have my grandpa's name as like a discipler when I was in high school, especially. Um, and then when I went to college, you know, we went to the same, I went to the same college that you guys went to. Tyler actually went to GCU. Uh, yeah. I'm a little embarrassed oh, about man. it. <laughs> Y'all were getting on me for being a Lakers fan. You went to GCU. I know. Hey, hey, hey. Well, that's worse. Lakers are worse. But, um, but anyway, so I went to, I went to uh, Southwestern Bible College, which is now Arizona Christian University. What, what? And while I was there, um, you, you guys know Tim Reed, right? And I know you've had him on your show. Oh, actually. you know Tim yeah. Reed too? Phenomenal guy. You, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, everybody knows Tim Reed, yeah. Um, but uh, he was he was a great guy. And I just, when I was at college, like, um, I felt like everybody wanted to be discipled by him. And so I was like, eh, forget it. I'm going to find somebody else, right? <laughs> because everybody, 
So I went and I talked uh, with this guy, Mr. Pettit, who I'm sure you yeah, know. Warren Pettit. And he like, he's like, I'll pray about it. I'll think about it. Um, and then he's like, yeah, I'll mentor you. And so we'd go to lunch. I'd pick him up because he rode his bike to school. So I'd pick him up in my car. We'd drive down to Sprouts, right, over on uh, Tatum and Cactus. Mm-hmm. We'd go get our sandwiches and we'd talk about life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked about uh, my future wife with him and, and you know, talking to her and asking her out, getting advice about that. What's it look like to be a godly man? What is it like to, you know, have a career? Uh, how do you not let money get in your way and, and become your God when you're trying to make more. And just, I, I remember so many phenomenal conversations with Mr. Pettit. And then, um, as I went on, you know, I had uh, other guys at seminary, Fred Shea mentored me. I was a TA with him and he really poured into me and spent a lot of time when I was at Phoenix Sem. And then, um, as I went to Biola, I met, uh, Clay Jones and he's like my current mentor right now, uh, Dr. Clay Jones. And so I'm part of this group where, a few of us guys, we go out to California every, um, every few months, well, every, every six months and, uh, we Skype and we share prayer requests and, uh, discipleship is just vital. And I've always thought I need somebody that I really respect who is way further along in their faith than me to disciple me. And then the other thing is I don't, I want somebody who loves Jesus better than I do. And I want somebody who's walked further than I have. And so that's what I always strive to look for in mentors and disciplers. Uh, in my life. And um, again, I always think about, you know, we all need to have a Timothy we're pouring into. We all need to have a Barnabas who's walking beside us, but we definitely all need to have a Paul who's pouring into us. Uh, because if we don't, if we don't have any one of those three, we're going to be unhealthy. And so I, I always mm-hmm. seek out who's my mentor. Uh, I remember it was a few years ago, one of my Barnabases, my friend, Greg, he just, um, he got mad at me. He's like, who's mentoring you? And I was like, nobody, there's nobody I know who, you know, I respect that I want to. And he said, you're stupid. You need to get somebody to disciple you. And I was like, you're right, man. And so that's when I reached out to Clay Jones and we started meeting and stuff. But yeah, I just, throughout my life, I keep seeking out people that love Jesus better than I do uh, to pour into me. So those are the kind of people who've discipled me in my life. Praise God. Praise God. Awesome. So what about you, Tyler? Yeah. Yeah. For me, um, actually it's a uh, pretty similar, uh, as far as my u- younger years w- that Robbie has here, like my mom, uh, really poured out to me a lot when I was young. Uh, she raised me up uh, in the Lord, uh, taught me, but like, I was homeschooled we both were, so that's something we've had in common. Uh, so like the discipleship process with my mom was easy because I'm always home and, like she made a <laughs> Bible study as a part of my morning curriculum. Yep. So, Amen. <laughs> yeah, so that was, awesome, man. yeah, so that was something I, I was like heavily involved in. Uh, my mom was great at building me up that way. Uh, other than that too, uh, I've, I've just had, um, people in my uh, like younger years, like youth me- mentors and stuff pour up, pour out to me. But, um, the biggest influence on me has actually been Robbie. Uh, he's been my main discipler uh, person, like my mentor. And it's kind of crazy. Like uh, we go way back to when I was a freshman in high school. Uh, I was his, one of his students. And so like we went on mis- tons of mission trips together, uh, conferences. And then we started this podcast while I was like just interning for the church. And so it just kind of uh, interesting, like, uh, like all, all the years that we've yeah. had together, uh, working together and doing ministry. Uh, Robbie's really poured out a lot into me. And actually I, I know like everything about apologetics from him. Like I actually didn't even know what apologetics was until uh, he told <laughs> me what it was in high school. So yeah, so it just, uh, Robbie's been that for me, like super big on uh, discipleship and growing me spiritually. And so, yeah, this has been my go-to person for the past few years and it's been great. And so, and then, uh, yeah, just the disciple discipling process, like for me too, that's been uh, something that I keep in mind a lot too. I always try to um, look, seek out people to pour into who uh, I can be that that person for, and like that's something I've been growing at like each and every day, uh, trying to seek out more people. Lately, that's been my brother, but that kind of rotates and changes depending on whoever is uh, right around me. So yeah. <laughs> there we go. But yeah, that's kind of what's been going. That's on. super honorable because I mean you're intentionally looking for people to invest in. And, you know, we have this mindset that life's all about us, but the thing about being a Christian is, you know, once God saves you, you go and you become fishers of men, you go and you invest in another. So it's refreshing to hear from both of your stories. Robbie and, and Tyler have a podcast and it's called Christ, Culture and Coffee. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get into anything too like serious, 
I want to hear your guys' favorite coffee fact, because that's what you guys do each episode, is you, you got a coffee fact in there. So yeah. what's your favorite one, most interesting to you? Uh, I just want to hear it just just for fun. Oh, man, that's so hard. Yeah, because we have we have 100, I think we're at 100, over 120 episodes now, and every single one yeah. we share a coffee tip. Yeah. Wow. I'm trying to think. One of them that I think is really important that people just don't know about coffee and I, I think it's important because I like caffeine is that um, so many people think that espresso has more caffeine in it because it tastes stronger. And that's not true. A black cup of coffee has way more caffeine in it than a shot of espresso does. It just the espresso is more concentrated and tastes stronger. So um, people always think, oh, yeah, I'm so tough and I love caffeine. So I get, you know, espresso. Well, that doesn't really help you. <laughs> and then sometimes they'll say, oh, I love caffeine. I love strong strong caffeinated coffee. So I'll get a dark roast. Well, actually a dark roast has less caffeine in it than a light roast. And this makes sense because if they roast it longer, more of the caffeine dissipates. So the darker the roast, the less caffeine. So if you want a lot of caffeine, you need to get a light roast, mm. cup of coffee, not a dark roast espresso. So I, I think that that's important for people who need to be heavily caffeinated like myself. <laughs> that's good. Wow. Y'all should write a book on that end. I mean, that would be pretty amazing, you know? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> That's your way of saying, nah, I ain't going to do that. Yeah, the, like Christian for no to say, oh, I'll pray about that. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I'm going to do it. Yeah. yeah. I think that, like, and again, we're Christ, culture, and coffee, and it's in order of importance, right? Yes. Christ is most important. Culture is very important. Coffee is least important. Uh, and that's why we spent five minutes on it at the beginning and then the rest of the hours about important stuff. But it is fun, and we both like yeah. coffee. Yeah, and I mean, for me, like, as far as, like, the coffee tips we've gone over, like, there's just so many, again, too. But, like, I'm always interested in, like, the weird stuff that we hear about. Like, like stuff that I don't – you don't correlate to how you drink coffee, but, like, other stuff that coffee's used for. Like, or, like for instance, like, I've heard so, – we've had several people come in or had several tips that have been shared on our show where people talk about, like, how coffee grounds are, like, used for your garden as, like, soil and stuff mm -hmm. like that and the science – behind it and all the nutrients you get with that. And then other weird facts, like, uh, like not long ago, we were talking about black ivory coffee, which is where like elephants <laughs> consume the coffee beans. Wow. And then, and then they poop it out and they yeah. take the beans nice. out of the elephant's dung. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And I'm like, that's just, for to me, that's disgusting, <laughs> right. but it's like high end. Like people pay like thousands of dollars yeah. for this stuff. It's insane. I'm on board. I bet it's it like, heals of all kinds of diseases and stuff. Let's, let's yeah. drink oh, it. Sure it does. Yeah. And so like, for me, it's always, it's those weird tips that I like. Like I'm always fascinated at stuff. That I'm like, I never thought I'd hear that like stuff facts about elephants no. <laughs> being a source for coffee. Yeah. So it's like, and who figured that out? Let's I don't know. Honest, who was the first one? To who was the first that? guy to say, it's you know gross. what? Let's give this a shot. They call it dung roast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. Green coffee. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Awesome. No, I think it's great that you you add that little fun element in there. And plus, coffee is something that. All youth pastors, all pastors, anybody, you go get coffee with somebody, right? That's kind of the right. first meeting that you have. Hey, let's go grab some coffee and have a good conversation and, yeah. and get yep. to know each other. Yeah, so that's, that's what Christians do. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. If if there was something about you couldn't drink coffee in the Bible, we would all fail and couldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be willing to bet the entire coffee industry depends on our discipling of others. So, you know. It probably does. You're yeah. welcome, Starbucks. Okay. <laughs> Let's continue to get into Christ, culture, and coffee. Why don't you just, um, at a deeper level, as it comes to Christ and culture, you know, why don't you explain just some episodes that you've had, uh, talk a little bit about your show, what are some things that you addressed, Tyler, a minute ago. You, so, you spoke about the subject of apologetics, and, you know, I've met a number of people who don't know what apologetics is, even in nature, and for us as Christians, it's absolutely foundational uh, for us being able to adequately defend our faith. So talk to those two components. Yeah. So, um, apologetics is, uh, to defend your faith, to be able to make a case for why you believe what you believe based on evidence and reason, uh, comes from, uh, the word comes from first Peter three fifteen, where, uh, Peter says that we always need to be ready to give a defense of the hope we have in us. And so that's the, the word defense in English is the word apologia in Greek. So that's where apologetics comes from. And we always get the jokes, oh, you guys must be really great with your wives, always apologizing for all the bad things you do, you know. Um, but that's not what it means. And uh, it's, it's to be able to give a defense for the faith. And if we do believe in what's true, 
then we should have evidence for it and it should correlate with reality. Right. And so that's what our show is about. And, and yeah. the one thing uh, I'll have you share about like some episodes we've done and stuff, but yeah. like the, the idea of apologetics is that it's interdisciplinary. Yes. So like, it's not just theology. It is theology, but it's also philosophy and it's also archaeology and it's also science and it's also history and it's culture and it's all of this stuff. And how do we defend Christianity with all of right. it, with every sphere of life? Absolutely. And so that's kind of what yeah. we get into and we talk about the issues and the subjects and, and all yeah, that. Kind of yeah, yeah. It's it's so crucial to me. Like it really does cover all aspects of Christianity and life and how you because as Christians, we need to know and understand what we believe, because that's what's interesting is you think uh, when, if you're going into a, an argument or a discussion or you're trying to uh, just work someone over for the gospel and have a gospel spiritual conversation yeah. with an atheist, Muslim, Mormon, uh, no matter what it is, if they are going to have an alternate worldview. And so they're going to come prepared with their worldview. So we need to know what we believe in. And that's where apologetics is super important. And that's what, that's why we talk about all those different. Uh, Mormons a lot, uh, Scientology, uh, Muslims, uh, different areas of cults and religions uh, from all sorts of different backgrounds. And that, that's because we as Christians need to have an understanding of these different faiths and belief systems. So that way we can uh, back up what we believe with evidence and reason to counter their arguments. Mm -hmm. And I, what's crazy is like, really, when you boil it down, you can come into a, a conversation, if you can come into a conversation knowing more about the cult or religion or belief system that the person you're just having a discussion with, if you know more about their belief system than they do, like by doing your homework, that goes so far, like in the extra mile, I think of loving them and showing them that you respect them and you want to know more about their worldview and meeting them at. And I think that that's a, that's really crucial. And that's what we want for our listeners with our podcast. We want them to understand these worldviews. So that way they can meet people where they're at. Mm -hmm. and hit them with that worldview perspective and then um, just come in with the gospel through understanding of their cultural ideas and belief systems. Amen. Yeah, we like to do um, defensive apologetics yes. and offensive yep. apologetics. And so like offensive apologetics, like Tyler was saying, is knowing what Muslims believe and knowing how to counter yeah. it and knowing what Mormons believe or Hindus or, or even, even Scientologists, yeah, yeah. Right? like all these different beliefs. But um, we also need to know what we think. And so there's been episodes we've spent on the Trinity. Like, yeah, what is the yeah. Trinity? And what's what does the Bible say about it? And why do we believe in the Trinity? Right. Uh, we've just done, we're in the middle of a, it's like a six or seven week series yeah. on <laughs> New Testament reliability. Yeah. Like, why do we think this is legit? We've done a ton of stuff on the resurrection because we think that is the cornerstone of our Absolutely. faith. And if you don't know yes. why Jesus, that Jesus rose from the dead and the evidence for it, then you really don't uh, have very much uh, uh, evidence or defense for the hope that's within you. So we talk about we talk about a lot of things. And oh we've yeah, got, yeah. We've got 120 some episodes out now. So there's a whole catalog of topics and issues, uh, even even moral issues, abortion, LGBTQ yeah, yeah. stuff, all of those kinds of things from a Christian perspective. So, yeah, and that that all comes into culture too. Like that's something we try to keep up with our podcast is be culturally relevant. Yeah. Like. Uh, um, for instance, like a couple of years ago when we did all of our stuff on homosexuality, like we tied that in with Pride Month because that's what was going on in the culture. So we're like, okay, this is like the biggest thing going on right now. We should address it. Mm -hmm. And then um, just a, a couple months ago, I think we, we did a, um, a episode on Black Lives Matter and racial issues yeah. going on in the country. And so like we really want to touch on the culture too. So that's where that comes yeah. in. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, like, again, we just want to equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. That's the yeah. whole idea of every episode of the podcast. Yeah. And that's, that's our goal really. And our target audience too. Like, so we view ourselves cause there's like high, you know, there's high level philosophers, yeah. uh, Christian philosophers and high level Christian scientists. Yeah. And we're not that we're just, we're just pastoral uh, apologists. And so our goal is to be able to read the crazy high level stuff yeah. And then be able to explain it to a 20-year-old in college who goes, how do I love my, my, yeah. my campus you know, uh, friends and the students that I'm around and my sweet mate? And so that's our goal is to take this stuff and explain it in a way that makes sense yeah. so that people can utilize apologetics in bringing people to faith and in bolstering their own faith. And you know, I'll, I'll say this. It's refreshing to hear because there are so many people 
who believe that Christians are, you know, just have an irrational belief system and like we haven't done our homework and, you know, maybe we just believe these fairy tales and, you know, like there, there's no foundation to what we believe. And, and the truth is, is we wouldn't believe it if we didn't believe it was the absolute truth, if we didn't believe that there was, I mean, why would we give over our entire life if we didn't believe it was legit, especially the resurrection? If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then I'll stop being a pastor. I'll stop being a Christian tomorrow because he's dead and he, he couldn't do anything for me. But if he's truly alive, then we can answer every other question from that foundational piece. And, you know, the second thing that I love about what you're saying is that you're addressing cultural issues where I think people genuinely want to know what a solid Christian thinker believes. I mean, whether they agree or disagree with our position, the fact is, is we can have a loving conversation where we can say, now here's rationally why I take this stance, but you as the individual are extremely valuable to me because you're valuable to God. Um, so yeah. that's why we do apologetics to give an account of what we believe. Well, and that's mm -hmm. the other thing that we really try to do in our show is because because Peter, first Peter 3.15, always be ready to give a defense for the hope you have in you. And then he follows it up and he says, with gentleness and respect. That's it. And so you can have truth and you can beat people up Absolutely. with it. And it's easy to do if you have the truth. Or you cannot have truth and just be loving, right? Yeah. But you, you're supposed to have both of them. And so we try to model love and kindness while standing up for truth. And I mean, we've had atheists on the show. We've had a lot of people yeah. uh, come on. and. Um, we, we, the number one goal is we got to love these people, right? The goal isn't to win an argument. When you have the truth, that's really easy. Yeah. The goal is to win the person to Christ. Uh, and that's not as easy. Yeah. <laughs> and how you act and your attitude yeah, right. plays a big role in that. Right. Yeah, definitely. I remember I did listen to the one where you had the atheist on. Uh, I oh, thought thanks. that was really good. Uh, it was awesome. I was kind of having that idea too. Like, how could I have somebody on this podcast, which is hard when you're talking about discipleship, <laughs> who's not a Christian. Uh, but I, then I listened to your guys. I was like, oh, that's perfect. You guys have a good platform to bring somebody on. And, and then you're actually showing people who are listening to your podcast what a conversation should look like. Uh, yep. because sometimes we don't know what that looks like. How do yep. I have a conversation with somebody and how can it be loving? How can we end the conversation still friends or still in a good spot, even if we yeah. haven't gotten anywhere. Right. And because that's what we're afraid of at times. It's so funny. Cause like yeah. Dallas, the atheist who's on our show, like I talked with him a ton. Like we, we Instagram message, Facebook message. I just had like an hour phone conversation with him last week. He was texting me yesterday about, Hey, I made this video. I'd love for you to respond and tell other Christians to respond to it. And he, he's really searching for truth. And so I want to be his friend and, and I don't want to just love him because I hope he becomes a Christian. I hope he becomes a Christian, but I want to love him because Jesus told me to love my That's neighbor. It. And, um, that's, that's the key to it all. So yeah, we want to model, not just the arguments. We want to model the attitude and the approach in talking with people who disagree with us. Yeah, no, that is, that is so good. That is so good. The, the core of our intention is if we believe Jesus rose from the dead, then we want you to know him because that yeah. just might change your life. And we're really serious about it. And, you know, um, you have the opportunity in life to explore who Jesus is and what he did for you. And you know what? If at the end of the day you decide not to follow him, then that's one thing. But if what he says about himself is true, then there's a satisfaction waiting for you that, you know, you would never believe is out there. But knowing Jesus is better than anything you could ever have. So on that note, guys, let's do this. Um, tonight, we're going to talk about the nature of truth. Does truth exist? And uh, Kyle and myself are kind of going to be asking questions along the way. We're going to somewhat pretend to be the the critic or the skeptic but we want you guys to drive the content we want you all to lead lead the content so for students listening who are like okay uh, does truth exist how, how do i know i can count on anything to be true uh, or is it just a matter of what you believe is good for you it works for you whatever you feel is right so let's let's take that road right now and why don't y'all why don't y'all lead okay so um, as Christians, we believe in something called the correspondence theory of truth. Uh, this is the idea that uh, a proposition, so whether it's a belief or a thought or a statement, is true in case it corresponds to reality. So when it asserts what's really real in the world, then it is true, right? Uh, Aristotle said, uh, truth is to say of what is that it is or of what is not that it is not right? This is, this is logic. 
And so as Christians, we believe in the correspondence theory of truth, uh, supported by a ton of different Bible passages and Bible verses all over the place, right? Um, like Isaiah 45, 19, uh, the Lord uh, says, I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. And that's, that's the idea. It's what is real. So it's not opinion, it's reality. Uh, when Jesus came and in John six, you know, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Um, when he says the word truth, he, he didn't, he wasn't saying he's just a true proposition or he's like two plus two is four. Uh, the word aletheia in Greek, it means reality. Yeah. So he, he's saying, I'm the really real, like <laughs> I am the way and the truth and the life uh, correspondence theory of truth. So as Christians, we believe that truth is something we discover, not something that we create. Amen. And we live in a culture right now that believes you create your own truth, and that's dangerous and it ruins human beings. We believe in objective truth. This is the idea that we discover what's true, and it's true whether we know it or not, and it's true whether we believe it or not. And so that that's huge. We discover truth we don't create truth. Now, like I said, relativism claims that you can create your own truth or that opinion is truth. And um, typically, relativism uh, is only in regards to, to two areas of life. Yeah. And this is interesting. People only try to create their own truth in two areas of life. And that's when it comes to sexuality mm -hmm. or religion. Um, nobody tries to be a relativist when it comes to gas in their car. Yeah. Everyone believes like you, <laughs> you have to put gas in your car, um, eating food. Everybody knows how to lose weight and to get in shape and it's through exercise and eating right. So you can't be a relativist and say, well, I'm going to create my own truth and pizza and watching 20 hours of TV is going to get me a six pack abs. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That doesn't correspond to reality. That actually has a different result. So. It doesn't work. It's not true. Yeah. You're believing in a, a myth or a lie that doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. And you, you yeah, and you come to find that this just happens often, like Robbie said, like with when it comes to sex and religion. Mm -hmm. uh, this is kind of the the perspective people take on when it comes to the biblical views of sex uh, and the way mm -hmm. that um, they should go about it. Whether it's like a hom homosexuality, or like the LGBT idea, or transgender, mm -hmm. uh, they think that your sex is, I mean, your gender is defined by you as the individual. Like there's that belief that's out there, uh, which that that's uh, biologically, it's not true, but that's like, that's what goes into relativistic thinking. It's whatever you want to make it of. Yeah. And, uh, but the thing is, is people do that when it comes to, like we said, like sex or religion, but you don't, you can't live it out in real life because we live in God's reality. We live in God's reality where there is objective truth and mm -hmm. there is an actual absolute standard for morals and just for everyday life and scientific research has proven that but there's like there's there's absolute concrete evidence for truth out there and so it's uh it's just really interesting when you see kind of the double standard with people when it comes to living immorally so so let me just jump in really quick and try to advocate just for a moment for the person who says well biologically i'm a male but I believe I'm a female and I believe I have the right to 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 act as a female and I also believe that this position is is oppressive. If you're dealing with those three statements, how would how would you respond to to that individual? Well, there's a lot of ways you can respond. Um I believe and and this is not politically correct and it's not popular opinion. Um, but when it comes to, you know, transgenderism, um, I believe that uh, what's going on is a, it's a dysphoria and that it's somebody internally, mentally doesn't want to or can't correspond with reality in their body, much like an anorexic who sees I'm, you know, overweight, she, you know, 80 pound, 15 year old girl still views herself as overweight. Well, that's not a physical problem. That's an internal mental problem. And that's what's going on with the gender dysphoria. It's still in the, in the, yeah. um, in the psychological uh, journals, it's, it's still classified mm -hmm. as gender dysphoria because it is. It's because they're not corresponding with what's real. And so your biological sex isn't separate from your gender. And I do this whole talk on 
um, common myths of the transgender agenda. And uh, we are living in modern day mythology because these are stories created that have no correlation yeah. with reality or with truth. And so who decided that you can split gender and, from biological sex? Well, people just decided to do that and to make it up. Um, we even have mythological uh, medical language, you know? People talk a lot about your sex assigned at birth. And Hold on, time out. Who did the assigning of your sex at birth? Did the doctor look down and just create what your sex was going to be? Is that what happened? He just said, I don't know, I feel like a girl. No, he didn't create it. He uh, acknowledged it. He discovered that's a boy or that's a girl. Nobody assigns sex at birth. I mean, did, did either of you guys have gender reveal parties for your kids? Did you? <laughs> no. I didn't either. I did no. But people do it, right? You see it on Facebook all the time, right? Yeah. So think about this. People know the gender of their baby before birth. So no one's assigning the sex at birth because we've discovered it through ultrasounds prior to birth. Yeah. So there's all these common day myths when it comes to that. Yeah. And so because a person has an opinion or asserts a story, they, they are free to have an opinion. But you can't just have an opinion. Uh, it's like a roof. Uh, an opinion is a roof. But you need walls of evidence and reason that are holding up your roof. Otherwise, your roof is worthless. And that's what's going on with this. People think if I feel this or if I have this opinion, that makes it true. But it goes back to, no, we don't create truth. We discover truth. And um, biological sex isn't fluid. And you can't really transcend your gender. Um, you, you, if you stop taking the hormones, your body reverts back to what you are. You can't change your chromosomes. You can't change your shoulder width or your hip, hip width. Um, you can do cosmetic changes, but you cannot change what you are at the biological level. And so... It's a myth, and I think people really feel that way. I'm not saying their feelings aren't real. I'm just saying their feelings aren't true, and, and that's not what reality is. I'm sorry to hurt and your feelings, Dakota. Is, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with the nature of reality. Um, so let me ask you a, another question is, how do you know that truth is discoverable? Because, again, for, for the person who is asking the question, look, I want to be what I want to be. I want to feel what I want to feel. I mean, why should I give in to what you're saying as a Christian? How do you even know that truth is discoverable? Well, see, this is, that's a great question. So this is in philosophy. This is called epistemology, right? How do I know that I know? How do I know this isn't just the matrix and I'm not just a brain in some sludge with yeah. some electrodes yeah. in me, right? Um, yeah. so this is, this is how I think as a Christian, we can know that we know, um, as Christians, we believe that we were created in the image of God. He is the ultimate logic. He is the ultimate mind. And he gave us the ability to be able to recognize and react to the reality that he's created from Genesis. It, it talks about this. So our worldview has the best explanation for why truth is discoverable. It's because God made us to discover it. And we, we have other examples of this happening in reality. Um, my, my stomach exists. Trust me, it's there, yeah. right? <laughs> Your stomach exists. And oh my gosh, there just so happens to be food on this earth that corresponds with your stomach. Crazy. There just so happens to be water that corresponds with your thirst. And our thoughts are that type of a thing. Our thoughts about truth our brains exist, our mind exists, and, and our thoughts can correspond with what's really out there. So we have reasons to believe that our logic is trustworthy and we can know things. Every other worldview doesn't. Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I would even, the way I would start off, if someone actually approached me with that question, I would actually turn that question back around on them and say, well, how, how do you know what you believe, like that that statement is true? Because when you turn around, it's kind of like self-defeating logic. They're saying that you can't know that there is an absolute truth through God and through scripture. But it's like how you just said you can't know absolute truth, but that would be an absolute truth. So that's, that's where <laughs> yeah, the issue that, is that you can't know it. Yeah. You can't know yeah. it. So, so it's like, it's self-defeating. And so that's kind of, I always pick apart uh, those kind of statements with people in discussion like that, but it's super important to note 
of what we believe. And that's, that's it at its core, what Robbie just said. And like, that's something that we need to be equipped and memorize uh, and know that. But the thing is, is uh, typically a lot of times that I, I, I've caught in these conversations when it comes to absolute truth, uh, people make those kind of statements where it kind of just turns back around on themselves. Yeah, they make these absolute yeah. claims mm-hmm. to refute you claiming an absolute truth. Yeah, but it backfires on them. It doesn't work on them. Yeah. 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 And, and, and the truth of it is, they believe in absolute truth when it comes to certain things. Yeah. Maybe not sexuality and maybe not uh, religion, but they believe in absolute truth that you shouldn't punch them in the face and take their stuff, right? Mm-hmm. They believe right. that you, not just that you can't do those things, but that you shouldn't do those things. Yeah. Right. I had a professor yeah. in college, uh, JP Moreland, and he'd always tell this story about how uh, <clears throat> he was in a kid's dorm room talking about relativism and truth. And the, and the kid was just like, I, I believe that, you know, we create our own truth. Our notes. And JP was like, oh, okay. He's like, so I stood up and I went over to his dresser and he had this nice new stereo system. And I unplugged it and I put it under my arm and I walked out of his room. And he said, hey, you can't do that. And I said, I can't do that? Sure I can. I have the strength to pick it up. I was able to unplug the cord and I'm pretty sure I could take you if you tried to beat me up. So actually I can. (laughs) And the kid said, no, I don't mean that you can't. I mean that you shouldn't. So now when you bring in should language, that's an absolute statement of a morality that he believes applies to all of us. And so more like, oh, I shouldn't where you get should from. I thought you said that morality is relative and we all create our own. Nobody really believes it. And if you can just find the thing that's their hot button issue, whether it's organic food or anti-vaccines or, you know, the environment and having electric cars, whatever people, they all have a hot button issue that they think applies to all people for all time. That's where you bore in and you go, see, you do believe in an absolute. Um, it's, It's a helpful tactic. Kyle, have, have you in your experience in youth ministry, have you come over the years across certain responses or certain re- questions that your students have as it pertains to truth as, as well? I mean, is this something, Kyle, that you face with your high school students on, on a daily basis? What are some things that you have heard? I think for students, especially in junior high or high school, they're more, they're more learning about their feelings. So they're less concerned about absolute truth or those sort of things. They don't really know how to put all that together. Um, So a lot of the youth that I work with today, they've got tons of friends who uh, identify as LGBTQ some level, and it's becoming a normal thing to them. And so when you challenge them on that thought of uh, of being, you know, gay, transgender, whatever that may be, um, they're a little confused, like, well, why, why not? And, and when you bring the Bible in they're they're like, well, what does the Bible have to say about it? And when you talk about marriage and you talk about why we were created and those sort of things, but they're like, but doesn't God love everybody? And, and weren't they created that way to, to feel those feelings? And so I guess from a student's perspective, how would you guys respond to that idea of, well, doesn't God love me too for the way that I am? Did he make me this way um, to, to love the, the same sex or to, we can just love whoever we want. That's okay. Cause God loves us too. So it's that kind of idea where they're just stuck in this love space, uh, where their feelings are overcoming truth and they don't really know how to connect. The- yeah. I think it's good to help them to see that <clears throat> allowing people to ruin themselves isn't loving. If you were a doctor and you knew somebody had cancer, but you didn't want to hurt their feelings. So you didn't tell them, are you a good doctor? Or are you bad doctor? Right. And so when it gets down to the whole, didn't God make me this way? Uh, that's, that's a big time myth that people say all the time. Listen, God made our species good, very good, right? We were, we were perfect and we wrecked ourselves. So God has allowed us to be born flawed and to be born fallen. So he did create all things and got the ball rolling and boom, but he can't create evil and he can't pr- create sin. We did that ourselves. So we're born infected with an ailment called sin. So I have a spiritual disposition, a spiritual disposition against God. Absolutely. And he didn't create that. Now he allows it, but he didn't create it. And each one of us has desires that are wrong, right? We all have certain sins that we are 
are more attracted to proclivity to certain issues and vices. Um, and so when people say I'm born this way, yes and no, it, it really is yes and no. Do you have those feelings? You, you do. Did you decide to bring those feelings about? Probably not. Just like I don't decide to bring about heterosexual feelings that are wrong or impure or anger or lying. Right. So, so we were, we were born with a, like you said, a bad spiritual uh, disposition towards God. So that's for sure true. But just because we have desires doesn't mean we should indulge those desires. And we all know this, like, um, I stopped my car at red lights. I don't feel like it. But I do. Why? Because my feelings do not decide what I do or what I don't do. And I do think it's more important to obey the traffic laws because I don't want people to die than to follow my heart in not stopping at a red light. And when we decide as a group, our, our culture, to, to tell ourselves no or what is called self-control, when we can do that, we call the whole thing civilization. When everyone's giving into whatever desire comes up, that's called anarchy, yeah. right? And so we can't, we can't have a society that's full of people doing whatever they feel. Like, you guys, um, Kyle, if you did whatever you felt for your whole life, you would be dead by now, wouldn't you? And so would I. And so would all <laughs> of us. Because that is- That slogan- yeah. That slogan, do whatever makes you happy, is really not that smart of an no, idea. No, because it'll make you dead. Um, like, yeah, if everyone did what they feel, I'm sure people wanted to kill me in the past for stupid things I've done, you know? So self-control is, is important. And so just because we have a desire doesn't mean we need to fulfill the desire. So yes, people are born with, I think, I, I think literally born and they have homosexual feelings that they didn't bring up. And it's not just because of their environment. It's because of the sin issue. But just because you have that doesn't mean you need to indulge it. And, and I think the second lie that goes along with this whole thing is that in order to really love someone, I have to sleep with them. That's just yeah. not true. Yeah. Most of the, That's a cultural lie. It's a cultural lie. Most of the people in my life that I have intimate relationships with are people that I'll never have sex with. Most of the people I love are people I don't have sex with. There's one that I do, and she's my wife. And so this lie that that's what life's about and what you have to fulfill, it just, it, it's not true. And it's actually damaging. There's a statistic, and this, this is where as Christians, it should break our heart that sin kills people, right? The book of James talks about when desire is born, right? Mm -hmm. When it's conceived, it brings sin. And when sin's fully grown, it brings death. This, this disturbs me a lot. And if we love homosexuals, which we should, and we love transgender people, which we should, these stats should, should freak us out to go out and to love our neighbor, our LGBTQ neighbor. Um, to be a homosexual man, well, let me start with this. Uh, chain smoking is bad for us, right? Mm -hmm. And it's bad whether you're in Kansas or whether you're in Arizona or whether you're in Sweden. Smoking is a bad right. behavior for human beings, right? Right. Well, to chain smoke from the time you're 18 till you die, smoking two packs a day, it gives you 12 years less life expectancy than the average man, all right? Right. 12 years less. We don't want that. We want people to live. To be a homosexual man in America gives you a 24-year less life expectancy than the average man. Being a homosexual man in America is twice as deadly as chain smoking statistically. And our culture just applauds people to UBU, applauding them to an early death. I don't want them to die. I don't want them to suffer. I want them to live a purposeful life. And so I can't just applaud them or go along with culture because it's easy. If I really love them, I need to stand up for what's true and to help them and to show them what Jesus says. And let's just go back to this hypothetical for a brief moment. You know, uh, this discussion is always a hot button topic yeah. because the the general or the typical response from the person who is living in this lifestyle, and let's just say that you're that you're living and and you know what you're feeling threatened by in the midst of this discussion, I can almost guarantee you, if you're feeling threatened, it's because that there's some sort of a loss of identity if you did have to change. 
uh, if you did have to turn from this lifestyle. So if y'all could speak to that for, for a minute, let, let's say there's that person who you're taking me, my identity away. You're, you're removing from me what makes me myself. You're, you're trying to rob me of this and I'm, I'm offended. Well, how do we as Christians respond to that concerning identity? What do you think? Yeah. Well, I think that that's where you share the gospel with them. That's where you bring in Christ and you mm-hmm. share with them that that's where you can find your identity is by being uh, accepted by him for who you are. And it's not, it's not whatever culture tells you or what your feelings are guiding you towards. That's it's what you can find that fulfillment in Christ. And I can attest to that. I know Robbie can attest to that. And it's like, that's ultimately where we as Christians find our fulfillment and our identity. Yeah. And that's the tragic thing. Uh, and it's really Sabbath, um, not just for homosexuals, but I think just for the world in general, uh, people are longing for fulfillment and a longing for an identity. And I think that the ultimate and the only way people can ever be satisfied in who they are is in Christ. And I found that from personal experience, and I'm sure that like you guys can attest to that. And it's just, it, it's really sad that the whole world is lost and they're longing for, like, there's, there's a God filled hole. Uh, there's a God-sized hole that needs to be filled inside the hearts of every man. And that's like, that's what everybody is seeking is God's fulfillment. And so I think that the, 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 the ultimate goal when we're talking to people who are struggling with homosexuality and your identity and, or anyone with identity struggling with their identity or trying to make their identity in something that they're not is to share with them the gospel so they can find that in Christ and ultimately be satisfied. So that's why I would add to that, yeah. And that's the key is mm-hmm. when when I'm talking with somebody who's not saved and they're practicing homosexuality, that that that's that's part of the problem too is that yeah. our culture believes if you have homosexual feelings, then we are going to pigeonhole you as being a homosexual and that's your identity and that's how you yeah. have to uh, show yourself to the world. And I think human beings are so much more complex than just sexuality. And it's sad to me that people get crammed into this stereotype of a homosexual um, because that's mm. what the culture says. Homosexuality yeah. is a behavior. It's an action. It's, it's having homosexual sex. Same-sex attraction and, hom- and homosexuality aren't the same thing, but people try to cram you into this identity thing. And I think we're so much more than just that. But, but Tyler's absolutely right. Mm. If, if I'm talking with somebody who's not a Christian and they are a liar or a cheating businessman or a homosexual or an adulterer, my goal is not to change the behavior. My goal is for them to believe in Jesus. <laughs> That's they, They're helpless without it, right? And then after that, Jesus begins to work and Jesus begins to cleanse. Yeah. Um, but the goal for us is the gospel comes first, primary yeah. always. Yeah, I think that's one thing that um, in our American culture, we've becomes very, very uh, difficult uh, growing up. So I think of a high school student going into college and then going into the workforce in today's current um, culture in America uh, with the LGBTQ community. What we've seen in college campuses and even high school campuses now that there's they're more accepting of the of this community um, overall, right? And they've kind of separated Christianity. Well, they don't believe they believe it's a sin, so they don't like you or they don't love you or they don't right, which know, is not true. They don't really want to talk yeah. to you. Uh, and most of the time, if we our identity isn't in Christ, that's what that's what comes across. <laughs> that we don't love them and that we don't care about them. And that's we're just well, the Bible says you shouldn't do that, so Get away from me, you sinner! <laughs> uh, and that's a that's a culture that's been created between the two, right? LGBTQ Christianity they clash, um, and so you get a high school student go to college, and then in college it's more of it, even more liberal, right? You get, uh, you know, and then they're challenged yeah. on that level, and that's that's if you don't have your identity in Christ, then you're re- then you're getting pulled that way. Then in the workplace, and I can tell you, um, you know, I experience this all the time is this diversity and inclusion and all these buzzwords in the workplace where uh, we need to make sure all everyone feels safe and comfortable mm-hmm. and accepted. And the reality is you can't no. do that. <laughs> you can't make everyone in the workplace included, accepted. It doesn't make sense because once you start including the LGBTQ community, what do you do? Well, I don't yeah. fit in that one because I'm a Christian. So now we've we've excluded one or the other. So there is no exclusion or inclusion. It's yeah. only exclusion <laughs> and it doesn't make sense. So 
there's we're in this world of just chaos in the sense of where where do I as a Christian respond to this? Because it looks like I'm yeah. the bad guy yeah. because I'm not accepting people. And now I don't know who I am and wh- where do I go from here? And I think a lot of people yeah. are stuck right there because yeah. they want to love people. Yeah. They want to, they want to reach everyone for Christ, but then they're kind of struggling internally with, well, I, I love those people who are part of that community, but I don't really know how to bring the Bible to them. I don't really know how to bring scripture alive to them. I don't know how to share with them my heart in a way that they're just going to be like, oh, you're a Christian. I don't really want to talk yeah. to you. Yeah. So how, I mean, how would you guys really do that? I mean, how, how do we reach out to this community? Cause it's been a, a struggle of mine because I work with so many students in the church and outside the church, many yeah. who are part of the LGBTQ community. And, and I just continue to love them and, and befriend them. But at the same time, it, there is that moment of, I got to share the gospel. Yeah. And, and, and how do I do this in a way where I'm not saying, I'm not dismissing their feelings. I'm not dismissing any of those things, but I just want to share with who Jesus is. Yeah. I think that you hit the nail on the head. There is this belief that accepting what my thoughts or beliefs are is true. It's not just respecting my opinion and treating me with dignity. It's you actually have to believe that my decisions are true. And as Christians, we go, well, I can't believe that because we have conflicting views on these things, but I can completely disagree with you and still treat you in a kind way. That's this tolerance. Is, yeah, yeah, it's real tolerance. There's this myth that you can't love people or treat people kindly if you disagree with them. And that's just that's just from Satan. Like, that's not true at all. Well, and, to- and tolerance in America is is not that no, <laughs> right it's tolerance yeah it's acceptance and yep. and we've we've screwed that all up and yeah. and and now as christians we're 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 like stuck in this odd spot yeah. where we 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 want to love people but we don't know what loving people is yeah lo- <laughs> because yeah loving people is grace and truth right right you don't have to be a jerk and beat them up with the truth and i think a lot of christians do that but you also can't just go along with culture and be very gracious and kind and be nice to people yeah. all the way until they enter hell. Like that's not loving them either. And so it's grace and truth together. And I think that when Jesus tells us, like, this is crazy. What other religion says this? Jesus tells us to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute right. us, right? That's what changes hearts. Is not seriously, and I love apologetics and I love arguments, and and we have truth on our side when it comes to all this stuff. But arguments alone typically don't change people's minds. Right. What changes their minds is when they see you as a Christian telling them, I totally think homosexuality is bad. I think it's damaging you. I think it's a sin and it's wrong. And I want you to come over to my house for dinner and I want to hang out with you. And I want to love you and I want to get to know you. People have no idea how to categorize that because nobody does that. You either accept everything I am or I hate you. Right. And it's like, no, I totally disagree with you and I can still love you. This is what Jesus did. That's why it blew their minds. That's why when he's hanging out with prostitutes, people did not know <laughs> how to put that together in their worldview. That's what we need to do. And, you know, just kind of let's just take this illustration for a moment. You know, whenever I'm working in this situation, I always say this, the reason why I I want you to see what I'm saying to completion is because I truly believe that I have something better to give to you than what you currently have in your identity. So, you know, the evolutionary worldview would say that your value is found in the fact that you're just an instrument. You know, you are instrumentally good for something, and that's all, that's the only place your value can be found. But the biblical worldview is, yet again, from the beginning of the discussion, because truth is discoverable, that means that God has placed it here before us, which means that things are true inherently. And which means if I'm going to trust God, if I'm going to agree with God, what I have to give to them is an identity that from the beginning has been inherently passed down to me from God alone. I, I'm created in his image. And by the way, Jesus came to die on a cross for all of my sins. So homosexual, homosexuality, or you're caught up in smoking. Uh, do I want you to leave behind the actions of homosexuality? Do I want you to quit smoking? Yes, because Jesus is better than a cigarette and Jesus is better than your boyfriend. And at the end of the day, if he's truly satisfying above all, all the rest, 
then why would I not plead with them to give Jesus a try, even if it meant, like he said, to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and to follow him daily? You know, I mean, if I hold back from giving them what I believe is a better replacement of their lifestyle, if I hold back from giving them Jesus, I'm holding back the relationship that's most satisfying. Yeah, well, I think your heart behind that is absolutely right. I think that the problem is that most Christians want to win an argument so they feel validated in what they believe. Yeah, yeah. And that that shouldn't be the motive we have to share this with people. Right. What you said is what we should be sharing. Like, I really believe this is better for you. And this is flourishing as a human being. But a lot of people, man, they're just scared. And they think if I don't know the answer to this, then I might be wrong. And it's like, well, if you think you're wrong, you should go figure it out. (laughs) That's okay. You know, you know, this, this discussion has so many layers. It's like an onion. You know, once you peel off one layer, oh, here comes another one. Here comes another one. Uh, so for our listeners, I just want to encourage you to check out Christ Culture and Coffee. And and I can guarantee you um, that Robbie and Tyler are going to be talking about this issue if you go through one of their 120 episodes. You can get further discussion on this. Also, you know, as you said, it's not just sexuality, but it's also religion. Truth doesn't exist when it comes to sexuality nowadays, or truth doesn't exist when it comes down to religion. So if you have questions about religion, you can go to their show, Christ Culture and Coffee, as well. Well, I appreciate you guys coming yeah. on because your guys' podcast is is fantastic. Uh, really just diving into apologetics, which is like not my huge area of expertise on, on talking about these things. I love discipleship. Uh, I love just investing into people and loving people. And so I appreciate uh, the knowledge and the time and the effort that you guys have put in uh, to know what you guys know and studying uh, who God is, why he exists and what is good and what is truth and all these questions that people have and really taking the time to learn them, to share it with us, to share it with all your listeners. And so uh, for our listeners, I encourage you, check out their podcast. You're going to learn so much. Like they said, they've got over 120 episodes. You got plenty to get into and listen to and, and <laughs> yeah, just learn right. a lot. So uh, I appreciate you guys so much for thank you. Uh, yeah, thank the, you. what you're putting out there and uh, definitely, uh, you know, rewards in heaven for those. Things. <laughs> yeah. We hope so. Yeah. You know, if I could, I could say one last thing too. Number one, uh, it's a joy to have fellowship with you all, to speak about truth. Here, here's the cool thing as Christians is, I mean, we really believe we have the truth and we're confident in the evidence behind the truth. And it, it's so assuring to know, you know, I'm, I'm going to die one day if the Lord doesn't return and take me first, but I'm going to die one day. And, you know, we really have assurance we're, that we stand on Jesus. We're, it's, we have an eternity before us and we, we actually have the truth. Um, but, in addition to that, you know, if you're a listener and let's just say that you're a skeptic, let's say at the end of this podcast, you're thinking, man, I'm offended because I, I feel threatened. Here, here's really what I want to challenge you with. If Christianity is real, then would you become a Christian? And just challenge yourself with, with that, that question. If what Jesus says is true, if what's in the Bible is true, if Jesus rose from the dead, if he's calling me to repent and believe in the gospel, if that's true, then should I become a, would I become a Christian? Uh, maybe you have to ask a question like, uh, how much evidence is enough evidence for me? Because that's something a lot of people don't address when it comes to truth either, is they, they think, oh, well, I, I just need to see more evidence. I need to see more evidence, but they never answer in their heart how much evidence is enough to be reliable. And Getting back to it, if you're someone listening to this episode, look, if if Jesus is legit, would you follow him? Uh, and are you willing to go through the wrestling? Are you willing to ask the hard questions? At the end of the podcast, maybe you're like, oh, that rubbed me the wrong way, but why? Mm. But why? Why does it rub you the wrong way? Because if Jesus is true, then he's worth giving that up as well. I mean, he's worth giving over that lifestyle for. So I just want to challenge our listeners and then I want to I want to challenge our listeners who are already saved to continue to pursue the truth so that you can give an account for the hope that lies within you. So Robbie, Tyler, y'all are awesome. Once again, Christ Culture Coffee. Check out their show. You'll really grow and and uh, be able to interact with with those in your your immediate context. Yeah, well, thanks yeah, for having thank us you. on. Yeah, yeah thank definitely. you so much. Thank you guys. And if anybody has questions, here's another one. 
I know we're both on Facebook, social media, all kinds of stuff, both of our podcasts. We have a ability to receive messages from people who have questions. So if there's something on this podcast that you're like, I don't really know, I don't really understand that, or I have more questions about that, I think reach out to any of us. Uh, We're all on social media, so we would love to chat about any of those things. So thank you all for listening tonight. Thank you again, uh, Robbie and Tyler. Uh, Great time. Uh, I just love the topic tonight and everything that you guys brought to it. Amen.